0: Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of your favorite sports podcast, The Money Mitch Effect. I'm your host Mitch Michaels. Thank you for joining us. We have a lot to talk about this week. Great weekend of football we just had. Unfortunately, my Browns lost to the Chiefs in a nail biter. We're gonna to talk to Ian Dunn, who's a diehard Bucks fan. The Panda is back. He's talking about his bucks. We talk some tennis, a little baseball. Uh, it's, a, it's an interesting convo as always with Ian Dunn, a lot to discuss in the sports world. I think we even talk about James Harden on there as well. And then I'm talking to Adam Musto, my former co-worker at NFL Network, to dive into the NFL games, look ahead to Conference Championship Sunday. It's all part of a jam-packed Money Mitch Effect show. Why don't we just get it cracking? Ian Dunn, Adam Musto, let's start the show, baby. All right, now joining, rejoining on the Money Mitch Effect. First time in a long time. First time doing this remotely over the phone. It's Ian Dunn, the panda. Lots of breakdown with him. This guy's a Bucks fan. He's a Braves fan. He's got, you know, some winners in his life. He's winning at everything except for maybe Belinda Benches' <laughs> heart. But there's time for that still. Ian Dunn, welcome to the show. Money. My money. What's up, my man? Thanks for having me. Oh, we, we had to get it in. Uh, it's uh, It's been too long. There's a lot going on in the sports world uh, as we approach yeah. you know the final socially four. Distanced. Socially distanced. Socially distant sports world. But we got the final four of the NFL. Tennis is starting back up. Baseball hot stove is real, real in fuego right now. A lot going on, but, of yeah. course, had to talk about your Tampa Bay Bucks, who before this year hadn't won. A playoff game in over a decade. TB12 comes. Ian yeah. joins the program, and here we are, Bucks in the final four. <laughs>
1: Touchdown, Tommy! Oh my goodness, money! That was a uh, that was the most surprising Bucks win, and maybe the best thing I've seen since the Super Bowl they won. You know, in '02, I, I think I still can't believe they won that game after getting completely smoked the two previous regular season games. So. For me, just to see Tom, you know, touchdown TB12, come up and be the dude we knew he was and, you know, bring this ragtag bunch of Buccaneers, these young guns, bring them in through. I mean, beating Washington, you know, two weeks ago was big, but beating a a really good Saints team and, you know, maybe knocking Breeze out of the NFL, (laughs) pretty great, man.
0: Yeah, this was the, uh, well, I'm not going to co-sign that last part, but uh, everything else, I hear what you're saying. Um, No, I mean, everybody said the same old cliche, it's hard to be a team three times. Well, it is, but you mentioned it. They got absolutely smoked those first two times, so I can understand the doubt and the trepidation. And it was trending that way until Antoine Winfield Jr. makes the play, strips Jared Cook, and the offense comes alive. I got, I got love for Winfield Jr. His dad was an OG Buckeye. You know, got to respect uh, the totally. one I mean, coming that guy, up.
1: That guy's great. He's, I think he just got named uh, like a second-team all-pro rookie this year. So, I mean, that kid's been playing amazing. The, the first two, you know, punt returns for the Saints, you know, one was a touchdown and he got called back. The other was like a 70-yard return. When that happened, I was like, here we go again, man. I, I got to stay off social media. I don't want to talk to anybody. It, it, this is another beatdown. need to go back under my rock. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we know those, the, we know the rock. And, it usually involves uh, yeah, a bad the, the inning for the Braves, and, a bad couple sets for Federer, yeah. uh, you know, these bucks struggling. Second
1: and third, no outs, you know. <laughs> Top of the first. Getting into a double play.
0: 45-minute first inning in an elimination game. You know, things like that. You know, I, I will say, for my fandom, I have eaten some pretty hard L's, man.
1: Like with Federer, you've got a couple of matches. He had match points on Joker. In finals and the Braves, you know, up three one in the series. You don't have Bucks, to. Yeah, you can just say amazing. the Braves. I think we got it. <laughs> yeah, I mean the Bucks. The, you know, for the Buccaneers, dude, I've had to go with Bruce Gradkowski, Mike Glennon, Josh Freeman, uh, Chris Sims, Josh. Freeman. Uh, well, <laughs> I gotta Blaine tell you, Gabbert for a
0: game. yeah, Blaine Gabbert. Uh, oh man. <laughs> Jeff Garcia was one of those guys too, right? He was around there. I feel like he. Jeff Garcia, yeah. Got a yeah. cup of coffee. Uh, I got to I got to tell you this because his name never gets brought up. My uh, my Bruce Skradkowski funny story. The worst football game I've ever been to. I will dare anybody to uh, top that. Was 2009 Browns Bengals. Browns were like three and ten. Bengals were two and eleven. The final score was like thirteen <laughs> nothing. It was like negative degrees out. It was stupid. Um, took like way too long to get into the stadium. And I think every drive in the second half was a punt or a turnover. But be that as it may, the Browns, you know, they're they're down late. They're sucking. Their their quarterbacks are out. Greg Kowski, fourth string quarterback, Greg Kowski is about to go in the game. And I see this couple, Browns fan, that's just the girl is yelling at him. This sucks. Why'd you take me here? This is awful. And the guy's like, honey, Greg Kowski's going in. We're going to win now. <laughs> Oh, no. 13 nothing final, as you would expect. But uh, So, yeah. Oh, we're fine, honey. Bruce is going in. Hey, you know what, though? I mean, my team didn't win this week, but it was good to just be back in the mix. And I know you guys, you know, their expectations were a little higher when you bring in Tom Brady and, you know, have the offensive talent that you did. It was just good to see that you guys made the leap from always being a team with potential that, you know, if they get clicking, watch out. Well, that never is good to yeah. hear until it actually happens. So it's good that it finally did.
1: Well, if you look, I mean, the the Browns, first of all, what a great season for those guys. Yeah. I mean, huge, huge for your your fans and, and for the team to kind of get that monkey off their back. Now, now the sky's the limit for you guys. I mean, they had a chance to beat the Chiefs. They really did late yeah. in that game. But, you know, Chad Henney kind of came in and –
0: Pulled the Nick Foles. Yeah, you know what? Um, that, that's the part that sucks is that it was a winnable game. Like, well, going into it, I wasn't expecting to win. I was okay. You know, hindsight's like you're okay with a close loss because this is house money. Yeah. You win a playoff game for the first time in, you know, 20 plus years. Um, but it was winnable. Those always totally. hurt to lose. And while I was critical of the clock management and areas where they could have cleaned things up offensively, you had third and 13 versus Chad Henney. He made a play. Andy Reid. Just you know, made the stones on that guy to just go for it and, yeah, and make plays Man, Jesus! Now there were things like the like the non-call on the on the targeting and the fumble by the end zone. Okay, you know what? I'm not. I've never been the type of guy to just really lose it over bad calls like that in the course of a football game. Um, it was unfortunate yeah. that a break went it's against playoff us. Football. That's going to happen. You know, you're going to have breaks that go in the against playoffs. You. All that stuff scrutinized. Now, if that was like the last play of the game, or you know something like that, maybe that's different, but. Browns had chances, didn't so, convert. Chiefs did. Props to them. I'm excited for next year. Um, you know, it was uh, it was fun. Be. It's going
1: to be a good team,
0: isn't it? Crazy how this is. You know, a couple things are crazy. One, it's Brady's 14th, and it's 14th championship game. He's played in 14 of yeah. them. Yeah, and I wonder how many times he just calls Belichick and just hangs up. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, Hires a kid to like ring his doorbell and run away
0: just gives us she gives him a shout it's out. It's gonna
1: be two. interesting. I yeah. mean I think Brady Brady's only played Rodgers twice, I think,
0: or has only played
1: at Lambeau twice.
0: I remember twenty fourteen the Packers won that game over the Patriots. I do remember yeah, that. Well
1: one. it's kinda crazy you think about like Rogers and, and Brady have been around for so long, but being in you know the different conferences, they don't really play that much unless, you know, they get to Super Bowls and they never did the same year. I, I think it's gonna be a really, really interesting game because this is sort of the opposite of what the Bucks had last week, where they were trying to get retribution on the Saints for beating them. Now the Packers are trying to get retribution and revenge on the Bucks for kind of stomping them early in the season, when the Packers were up ten nothing and then the Bucks had two quick picks.
0: Yeah, and
1: then the game completely the game completely flipped on in like four minutes. It was unbelievable.
0: Rodgers is is at a point. I think point the Packers is, yeah. feel like
1: they, they can play a lot better, and I think the Bucks know that. And I've you know i been watching a lot of the old NFL films like America's Game where they chronicle the whole season of Super Bowl champions. And I, I don't know. I, this is what I hate the most about sports is that they give you hope. They make you dream. <laughs> like when the Braves are up 3-1 on the Dodgers. The
0: worst part know, about sports is to make that it makes you feel experience.
1: good. Yeah, you taste it. You're like, oh, my God, we're going to go to the big game. We've got a chance. And, like, that's how I'm starting to feel with the Bucks after 20 years of, of not ever having that hope. And I hate it because I know it's not going to work out. Well, I know one. it's going to hurt. And I'm still going to watch every freaking game, every single second of every game, man.
0: It's, it's going to be brutal. That one moment is Let's worth go Tom it. Brayden. Yeah, that one moment, though, when it does work out is worth it. Um, And – I got to oh, think totally. I wish I wish you could know before the season started that your team was going to win the title. Take it no, so much more. Fun. Come on. That's not a Yeah. <laughs> <come on>. yeah. <laughs> Very productive in that <laughs> so city much just a drunken around. party all all year when you know it's coming. Um is yeah, this the first hard. big Bucks Packers game since uh put a jersey on? Yeah, I think it is. We all remember that one. Warren Sapp, <laughs> Mike Sherman, two high quality guys. Uh Big personalities and big dudes. Yeah, those t- that hit that Warren Sapp threw on uh, Clifton the lineman. You can't do that anymore. You probably couldn't have done it then, actually, <laughs> but uh, nowadays that's I mean, maybe that's a suspension. Maybe the biggest crackback block I've ever seen in my
1: life. I mean, that dude's soul left his body.
0: Yeah, there, there's there's a few, and that definitely stands out. Uh, I'm excited for it. Rogers is at a point in his career where he's uh you know still got it still going and has you know that he's, he's at that Tom Brady later stage you know that he was a couple of years ago when he got to like I figured it all out so I'm excited to watch these guys play and I think Ian it's great that all the potential Super Bowl matchups are exciting to me and I'll be the first to say I love football it's not always the case there's usually one team in conference championship weekend that you don't really want there and there might be a couple matchups stylistically that don't you know, match up. I I do like every combo we could get. I know you have, you know, some skin in the game, but objectively, you got to agree. I mean, every game would be great.
1: Well, I think all the franchises, you know, that are left in there are
0: historically, you
1: know, you've got the Bills who are historically Mm -hmm. a losing franchise. So it's nice to see them, you know, get a chance at retribution for losing four straight Super Bowls back in the 90s. I think, with the Chiefs, it really, obviously, it all comes down to if Mahomes is going to play after his concussion, which was a, another weird hit, by the way. I was watching that. It yeah. wasn't your normal, like, helmet to helmet. It was like he got his neck wrung and,
0: mm-hmm. like,
1: I don't know, it, just, it looked weird. I'd never seen a concussion that looked like that.
0: Yeah, I would say just to add my limited experience with some contact sports like that, you you absolutely can get a concussion by just a whiplash play like that where you just have a lot of strain on your neck yeah. and head area. But I think the more important thing, I mean, if you're looking for the silver lining for the Chiefs, is you can experience what essentially feels like a concussion without having it. The plus side being the recovery is a lot quicker. So I'm no doctor and I don't know exactly what happened, but that was just a lot of stress and strain on, you know, a sensitive area. But I was with you too, because his head didn't hit, really hit any player's helmet or hit the turf like the Lamar Jackson hit when you finally saw the replay, like that's a concussion.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like right there, you knew it was going to happen. But yeah, I mean I, I think if, if he plays then you've gotta think the Chiefs the Chiefs are gonna come through there. If he doesn't play, I think it's a pick 'em. You know, I think the Bills are good, man. I think the Bills D is legit. I think Josh Allen is for real. I think yeah. if they can put it all together, which they have done, I mean what, it's the number one seed versus the number two seed. What more do you want out of out of the playoffs to get to play
0: in the Super Bowl, you know? yeah, they uh, the Bills haven't really played their apex game yet, too, which is kind of scary. Um, offensively speaking, I would uh, say you have four quarterbacks that this Super Bowl, you know, it's not it has a lot at stake. Like Mahomes wins, it's two in a row. He's clearly the face of the league, and now we're like just chasing greatness with this guy. Same thing can kind of be said with Rodgers. Dynasty, I, yeah, I know it's I know Rodgers is older, but this is, would be Super Bowl two. He's more than likely going to win the MVP, and now he's moved up the echelons. Uh, Brady is just running away with the goat status, but to do, to, to win what would be his seventh with a new franchise away from Belichick. And then you have Josh Allen, who, like yeah. you just said, he wins this. It's not a fluke. He's a top five quarterback and he's established and he's probably going to get those nice endorsement checks in the off season.
1: Well, Andy becomes a, a hero in Buffalo, which who knows if that's what you want to be in your life. But oh. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's, it's I didn't it's say it's great it. though. I mean, there's so many good stories.
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> I said it. Yeah, he I said, said I've it. been to Buffalo. The Buffalo Zoo had seven animals in it when I was there. Terrible. Oh God! But let's
0: get a status
1: update. And growing on up, that. And growing up in you know, yeah, I'm a New York guy. Growing up, so I, I get it. But I think, like you said, the, the chasing history. I think a, another title for Rodgers is huge for his legacy. You know, Favre only got his one in Green Bay. Now if Rodgers gets two, you know, maybe that kind of supplants him or at least puts him up near Favre and Packers lore. Yeah, You've got Josh Allen going for his first to bring himself into the national spotlight and, su- like, cement himself in the top ten, top five QB category. You've got Brady trying to win one with a new team in a pandemic with a new coach you know it's unbelievable and then Mahomes going for two straight you're chasing a dynasty now we're talking about how many more can the Chiefs win can they win three can they win four can they win five can they you know in the next decade the Chiefs are going to be there so
0: a lot at stake for all these teams. I'm super excited. Uh, I can't wait for that, as I know you can. not So just get your rest in now because Sunday will be a reckoning, <laughs> one way or the other. Uh, Ian Dunn on the Money Mitch effect. Uh, we always kind of run the gauntlet of different topics. Uh, I want to switch to tennis now. No surprise coming from us. Yeah. I can't remember. I know there's been a lot of different, you know, schedule breaks with COVID and, and interesting, you know, time in, time off, what the courts look like. This is truly something that I never thought I'd see. I didn't think that we'd see, you know, the sport come back, come back safely, props to everybody, but then have to just go to a point where to pull off a Grand Slam, Ian, they have to essentially shut down again for two weeks to quarantine. It's been a fascinating adjustment, and I'm curious, intrigued, maybe even a little scared to see what we're going to see from the level of players who some of which haven't been practicing when they do get back to the courts.
1: Well, yeah, I think that's why the – the warm-up events in Melbourne are such a big deal for these players. And like you said, it, it is kind of interesting to see, you know, the last half, the last third of the season last year, we did come back and we played safely. And, you know, there weren't any cases, there weren't any outbreaks or anything like that. And then to come back for one week and play Delray and like, and uh, Abu Dhabi for the women and then shut down for two weeks. It's like, what? Well, just because they took the spot, You know, A.O. took the spot of the Delray tournament. It's kind of weird to have them, everybody play for one week, go fly to Florida, go fly to Abu Dhabi, and then, oh, hey, you've all got to now sit sit in the hotel for two weeks. It's interesting, man. I think on the other side of it, you're going to see some choppy tennis. You're going to see what looks like a bunch of good tennis players that haven't practiced there's only so much you can do in your hotel
0: room. Well, that's and that's the ride thing. a bike or hit a ball against a wall. That's the thing, and by no you know faults of their own. Basically, by terrible luck of the draw, a lot of these players are deemed close contacts to positive tests, and they can't even go outside. You know, not the limited hours. It's nothing. So um, I, yeah. I, I will say this: it's unfortunate. It may be not be it may not be the most uh, the best instance of fair play, Ian. But you know, as someone that is no stranger to what the markets might look like. There's going to be a betting opportunity out there. Someone will figure out a way to make a pretty penny off of figuring out when the draws come out for some of these tournaments, the Australian Open, who's got the time in and who hasn't.
1: Oh, totally. I think you're you're going to see a lot of movement on the players that did play the first week on the men's and women's side. I think you're going to see, you know, if Korda, you know, Sebi Korda didn't, didn't qualify because he chose to play Delray, but there were other Americans there. You know, Fritz, Isner said he's not going to play, but it's interesting to see. You know, nobody really has any, no one that's going there on the men's side that is really going to do any damage has match play.
0: That's you know, crazy. they have all been practicing
1: yeah. at home or have yeah. out there courts. So, I mean, it's you're really all starting from scratch. So in that first week, whoever makes a run is going to be a favorite in the Australian Open. Whoever wins those, you know, two Melbourne or whatever, I don't even know the new names they called them, but, yeah, you know, having all of those tournaments on the Melbourne grounds, it, it's really going to change the betting atmosphere. You know, say say an Alex D Minor makes a run in that first Melbourne week because he didn't have to travel.
0: Yeah, that's a big point. So he's
1: already he's an Australian national. So all of a sudden he becomes a favorite just because he's had a better chance than these other players, so.
0: Don't, you, I don't know, uh, it's
1: going to be
0: interesting to see. Yeah, I was going to say, don't you think that, you know, what kind of the COVID sports world has taught us is that without repetition and without, you know, match player games that a lot of the favorites, I keep repeating it, but a lot of the favorites are winning championships. You know, you could look yeah. across the board, yeah. and I think there's something to be said by that where if everybody has to start from scratch and just default back to muscle memory, the top men and women who have the most skill and have the most, you know, time at the top and accomplishments they're at an advantage but it's going to be fascinating for sure and I get why Isner and certain players that make the trip part of it too Ian is that like it's you know wham bam it's a warm-up tournament we're getting into Aussie they got something on the back end so you're not just in and out you actually have a reason to sit in your hotel room this is a sport that has a lot of that takes a lot of commitment to accomplish even a fraction of anything this is about as yeah. much as it takes, I would think. there's much of a sacrifice you're going to see these players make. So props to them and their teams.
1: Well I think this would be this is going to be the hardest major to win ever. Mm, yeah, I really think that. I think just based on the circumstances and, and everything that we've seen go on, you know the mental preparation, these, these players have been cooped up in a room and we've already seen issues arise over there. So I think whoever can mentally sort of stay there, stay within themselves, play good tennis. And I mean, the thing, the one thing we haven't really talked about is, yeah, it could be defaulting to muscle memory, and that means the Jokers and the Dolls of the world win, and the, you know the Serena's and the Kerbers and all of them, and the Belinda Benchiches, of course. Of course. But you know, playing playing with empty stadiums and playing with you know a few thousand people in there these big tennis players aren't used to that you know they're used to playing in front of 15,000 people so i think in a way some of these younger players actually have an advantage because they're going to be playing these big name players on you know big courts that are pretty empty and all mm-hmm. these players their whole lives have played on empty courts so it's not that much of a, a culture shock to them so yeah. i think that's something to look out for with upsets early
0: yeah, I, I would add to that, and it's not a dig or anything, but maybe some of the more unknown, less popular players, it's huge for them because the local Aussies, you know, the Serenas, the Coco Goffs, those type of players yeah. that would get that emotional support, yeah. that uplift when it's a close yeah. match and the crowd really wants to walk through it. It's not going to be there this time. I um, wanted to ask you, though, separately as well, uh, just hypothetically, of course, if you were – you know planning something like this you know planning safety measures would you take advice from yeah. someone that's planned a giant super spreader event in the balkans
1: absolutely i would take yeah. any sort of uh if they sent me an email or you know a nice attachment i would read through all that and then
0: throw it right in the trash <laughs> that's great like Djokovic <laughs> coming out and saying that stuff who cares no, I mean, has like, got I, the same stuff that yeah, I get it, like, you know, and I will and believe that his intentions were good, but it's just funny to me. It's like he has the right to submit his, his ideas, and oh, you have the right to just not listen right. to them at all. That's how it works.
1: Yeah, especially after what he did last year at the Adrian Tour. I mean, obviously it wasn't him specifically, but when your name is attached to it, you know, you've got to bear some of
0: the responsibility. I just... Djokovic's 2020, Djokovic's 2020, man, I still think history is going to, the historians, much after we're gone, are still going to be looking at it like, what a year. Like, wow. <laughs> like,
1: well, what a crazy year, especially yeah. for Djokovic. I mean, he could have, had he won the U.S. Open, which he looked like he was going to do, he had just won Cincinnati in that stadium the week before. I mean, you're talking about a much different Grand Slam race. I mean, not, you know, much different. I still think
0: it's Rafa and in, in, in RG, but yeah, it is it is closer. There's that. There was obviously the U.S. Open, which you mentioned, you know, that weird Vienna but loss. But if you look back and, on like, Joker, it was is, bizarre. Redier,
1: he's got a lot of, he, Joker's lost a lot of finals. He's lost, like, he had a stretch there, I think, where he lost four or five straight. He, he right now, honestly, should be ahead of Federer and Nadal. Yeah, in total slams, I think.
0: Yeah, there was there was a few. Um, The one that I think the forgotten Djokovic, like I don't want to say choke, but moment was when he lost to Stan in that Aussie Open. The one that Stan won. Go back and watch that match; it was incredible. Uh, But how he lost it—it was like two shanks right at the end. Like it it was, and this was like maybe if you want to argue Apex Djokovic, you know, it's funny. Twenty twenty, his year, those stats. A lot of people would take that clearly as the career best year. And it might not even be in his top three. That's just how good that guy has been. So, uh, totally. I don't know. And, and just one other thing I wanted to say on tennis. We'll have much more to talk about when the tours get back up, for sure. Um, but I don't know how much longer we're going to have to talk about Roger, man. I'm getting worried.
1: Yeah, I uh, I agree, man. I think, I think we may have seen him play his last Australian Open already. I think this, Oof. to me, it feels like if the Olympics happen, this is going to be his last year.
0: You know, I don't that, know why. I yeah. Just, you know that B- Buzzle's where it's going to end. Like we know that he's, he's hanging it up for sure. It's not going to end anywhere else. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, the thing is better fed loves to remind you like subtly with his
1: humble brags, how great he is, but he's not that. a guy that likes, he doesn't like the going away party. No, I feel like he's not going to drag it out. Like, you know, you know, some baseball players, every stadium they go to, when it's their last year, they get stuff and you know, a yeah. bunch of gifts from the other team. I don't think Fed wants that. I think yeah. he just he wants to win a title and retire. And I think he wants to do it either. It's, it's going to happen at Basel, but I think he really wants that Olympic gold. I, yeah. I think that's the one thing he really, really wants. Yeah, so I think he knows he's not going to finish with the most slams. I think he realizes it now.
0: Yeah, yeah. The and Joker
1: are still young enough to catch him and
0: pass him if it was just and him and hurts his legacy. no it doesn't if it was just him and rafa maybe it would still be there i just think he sees Djokovic as the missed opportunities but also the, the projections long term with that guy i mean it's just it, it's scary. yeah
1: totally i mean uh, just a physical freak
0: honestly i'm more i'm more worried not so much i mean the grand slam race is what it is um, but he's 39 this has been multiple injuries and multiple surgeries now the level I mean, mentally and, and just, you know, what he brings to the table, it's one thing, but it's not going to last forever, yeah. you know, and and the younger generation well, At a certain is point, coming.
1: that half-step slow becomes a whole-step slow, mm-hmm. and then a whole-step slow becomes slower than that. I mean, you could be the best tennis player in the world, but, you know, father time is always going to win, always.
0: And then would Roger stick around if he's, you know back end of the top 10 if he's out of the top 10 you know how does that work is you know second week of the ma- second week of yep. the major is that good enough I mean it's remarkable what he's done but yeah it doesn't last forever um so we'll see that's a nice he's way to a, just if
1: he makes a semi when he comes back if he makes like a semi of a slam I think he'll stick around and his whatever his last tournament is this year if he wins it if it's Basel I think you could see him retire I really do
0: yeah, I could see something along the lines of like, I mean, Wimbledon or U.S. Open, and at the U.S. Open, saying, "I'm just going to go back to Switzerland and play Basel one more time." You know, Maybe that would be the extent of his retirement tour, is something along those lines. But I agree with you; he's I not mean, that's doing what Roddick the 12th. did. Yeah, Roddick announced his retirement right. while that you right before that U.S. Open started. I believe. I think it was right before it started. He said, "This is going to yeah, be." Yeah, it, it was for like me. a day before it started. Hey, and this is my last tournament. I'm retiring. Okay. And- and that's a good uh, – I'm retiring with a head-to-head record against Djokovic that's good in my favor. It would never happen if I kept going even another year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if, I, if I literally had to play him one more time, I would lose that advantage. Um, no, but that's a good comparison because Roddick could have played, could have hung around for another, you know, let's say, four or five years, been around 20 in the world. But being, be, being yeah. number one, having been number one, wasn't good enough for him. And I don't blame him. He made his money. He had his accomplishments, won a major world number one. Wasn't able to, didn't want to, and earned the right not to stick around, you know, not being in the top 10 anymore. So when that comes to That's Federer, a great point.
1: He earned the right. Mm-hmm. He was in the top 10 for 10 years. You know, I think he earned the right to go out whenever he wanted to. Well, yeah. He didn't want to wait around yeah. until he got hurt or he was down in the, you know,
0: mid 70s. Like, yeah. He went out on his terms. Nobody that's that's commendable because a lot of players don't get to do that. And I'm not saying this maliciously or or at all. Like when I say this, no one is, is forcing anybody to play these sports. It's up to them. You can retire whenever you want. Obviously someone in Roddick's position, or, you know, take your pick athlete. Um, You know, who's the lineman for the Cardinals that retired this year? Uh, I think it was the Cardinals Costanzo. He retired at 32 years old, made a lot of money. Had a great career, called it quits. I think it was about thirty-two, but it's like, dude, you don't have to play. You know, you're at peace with your career. I'm all totally fine with yeah. that. Um, and at some guys like to day, play this for a is while. Just a
1: part of your life, yeah. you know, it's just a part of your life. You, you're not you playing this sport for ten years is not your entire life. You know, you have stuff after that. It's not the end-all, be-all. So take care of yourself. When you realize that it's your time, you know, get out for some but, people they never realize that yeah. and, and you know it's not a bad thing it's just it happens
0: nobody can play forever except for Tom Brady i think that's what we learned uh so <laughs> Brady and Fed
1: man those are the and Serena too i mean those are the 3
0: i uh i'm i'm less confident in Serena to win another major than Fed i don't know if that's a hot take but that's where i'm kind of probably about. a little bit of a hot take i,
1: I would say i'm not confident that either We'll win yeah, I would
0: say I would say that's fair too. It's it's a little bit of a hot take, but it's like a I'm not confident either um, with Serena, yeah. and it's it's been injuries too, you know, because it's running the gauntlet it is just so tough to do, you know, and winning those seven matches, and we're starting to see why a lot of men and women, I mean, you know, I think they're like the oldest people to win majors, right? Like, maybe not Serena. I think Serena yeah, might they be, are. yeah. So. It's tough to do. And you gotta and, and the women's game too is seeing great strides in the last couple of years. Osaka's a bona fide beast. Barty and Hallop, you know, got legit and you know, now we're seeing the Coco Goffs and, and those players step up. Um The
1: Ego Spontex.
0: Yeah, hopefully my girl, uh, Maria Sakari as well. If you're listening yeah, man, hey how's it going? Power, come on. Um can have you seen those deltoids? I mean, come on. But anyway, I, I think Whew. that uh I think that it's just it's gonna be tough for you know, people at that point of their careers to win majors. So that's where I'm at. Um, All right. I agree. Ian Dunn, Money Mitch Effect. Can't let you go without, you know, hearing your thoughts on baseball and the hot stove and the Braves' chances of getting back and maybe going further than the NLCS. Possible? Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, It still hurts just to think about having a
1: 3-1 lead. Being up in the last three games, knowing that it wasn't going to happen. I mean, like I was saying before, I tasted that. I tasted the World Series. And after so many years of Braves losses and losing, you know, playoff series, it was just nice. It was nice to, to even be in that position. So I think I, at this point I've reconciled with the, the base running errors and hopefully in, you know, 28 days or whatever it is on Pitchers and Catchers Report, they can talk about stuff like that. Because if you have second and third and no outs in a playoff game, you should at least score a run and not hit into a double play and have no runners on.
0: Sounds like you're over it. Um,
1: yeah, I'm way over it. You know, it's it's in the past. I feel great. Um, but I think next year it's going to be interesting because for the Braves, you sort of right now you have no left fielder. They got rid of Duval. They got rid of Marcelo Ozuna, Ozuna who was fantastic last year with that one year deal. I think, with the NL not having DH, and that's something we should talk about for a second because as a diehard National League guy, I was the most anti-DH person you could ever talk to. I was like, I don't want DH. The nine guys with the gloves should be the nine no. guys with the bats. That's my I saw story. I with the sign.
0: I was going to say, I saw you when you had your sign outside with that, you know, sign. Yeah, sign. Yeah. yeah.
1: Exactly. <laughs> but
0: <laughs> I swear last year, it was awesome.
1: I didn't even notice the pitcher not, not hitting. And for Major League Baseball to not realize that and then to go back to the D, to no DH and then switch. Like, I just, just make a decision and go with it. Like, we already got it underway. We already peeled the Band-Aid off. We're already like, okay, I haven't – I don't know about you, but I haven't heard from anybody that said, no, we want the pitchers to be hitting again. It was awesome. Production was up across the league. It was great. So I think they need to figure that out because – Right now the Braves they don't know if they want to sign Ozuna because he's not a great outfielder. Yeah. But he's a great weapon to have. He's a great bat. You know, he's that's why the AL teams are chasing after him. But the Braves need a bat. They need somebody to protect M V P Freddie Freeman. That's right, M V P Freddie Free.
0: Yeah. What a year he had overcoming Um, COVID and winning the MVP and just being a beast. Um, you know, there's obviously tons of positives with your team. I mean, any of the Dodgers are built for it and they're going to be around a while and any, you think any run in the NL is going to have to go through them. Um, Padres actually seem like they're building something too, though.
1: Well, I think the NL East is going to be the hardest division next year. And I think it was pretty tough last year too, until the end of the season, but I think the Nationals are going to, you know, take another step forward. The Phillies, who knows?
0: Are they going to actually the play Marlins in September this time? Are The Phillies going to take September yeah, off again? I
1: mean, Unbelievable. Well, I mean, that's the thing. The Mets, the Mets made that trade. Oh,
0: I know. For your boy, <laughs> thank you for bringing it for up. Your boy. You know, that's it. That's all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Cut his. <mic>. I mean, <laughs> the thing is is. <laughs>
1: we're going back to a regular, you know, a regular season as far as yeah. we're set up right now. So it's not going to be an 80 game season. It's a whole season again. So you, you've got to worry about, you know, players health and you've got to have a, a strong rotation. You have to have a bullpen. You have to have more arms in the bullpen than you realistically need. Because that was one of the big strengths of the Braves last year. And they still ended up blowing it with the bullpen. So, I mean, it was frustrating to see how last year ended, but I think with the contracts that we have now, with the talent that's out there to get, I think you know I think the Braves win their fourth straight NL East championship. Mm. I think they make the World Series. I'm not ready to say they're going to win the World Series, but I think they take that next step. It's been a good progression. Get swept by the Dodgers. Uh, win a game against the Dodgers losing five to the Cardinals, almost beat the Dodgers in the CS, and I think the next step is to make the World Series. So the last four years
0: are building to 2021. wow well, well, it is. Well, I think uh, well, first we know that if the Bucks go on to win the Super Bowl, that none of this is going to happen because you don't deserve both. So we can just come to terms with oh, that. Oh, but right
1: if now. they do, Mitch, but if I get both, you may never hear from me ever again.
0: I won't want to hear from you ever again, to be perfectly honest. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, Bucks, that's oh, what I need is the Bucks, that's what I need
0: is Bucks Super Bowl, Braves World Series in October. While Temple's like undefeated, about to hit their stretch run. Yeah, Temple
1: undefeated. Yeah, Temple wins in March, they win March Madness. The football team goes undefeated in Sped the fall. Fed wins all four majors. Win,
0: wins all three that he plays. Yeah.
1: Fed <clears throat> doesn't lose another match. Nadal retires, Djokovic retires. Oh man, it's going to be a great single. year. single.
0: Yeah. Yeah, well, we're waiting for
1: that. Get married already, Belinda.
0: Well, I I just think this is obviously, you know what I'm going to say from my perspective. It's going to be a really brutal baseball season <laughs> uh, for Cleveland fans because their owners are cheap. I mean, what what else? How is many there games really you going to say? watch? How many am I going to tune into? I mean, you know the difference, right? I'm going to keep tabs. I'm going to watch some, but I probably won't be able to sit through a lot of the losses. And I think part of it, I mean, look, we're on, we're on Marlins level. The Marlins were looking at us like, wow, these guys are cheap. I mean, this is just like <laughs> ridiculous. But that's how it is. That That's the ownership plan. And, you know, I, I hate to say it because Lindor would have stayed, I think, for fairly reasonable. Now, we can get into the back and forth of what reasonable is and would he have eventually jumped but there was no opportunity for him to get anything close to market value in cleveland because that's what the indians franchise has done and i think part of the problem that you're seeing is you build a team you can't really set up for the long term you know i have been i've been railing about about the problems with you know the the pay structure In baseball, I mean, it's not the only one. I think the luxury tax in the NBA is a little problematic as well for the unfair advantage. But be that as it may, if you have a cheap by definition owner, you're an unfair advantage. Yeah. And also, you can't really play the long game. When the Indians made the World Series and almost beat the Cubs, they should have. They they pretty much had to go all in, and they didn't take that opportunity. Because what's the point in waiting for players to just leave? I mean, that's the unfortunate. You got to take your
1: shot. You have to.
0: Yeah. Exactly. You've
1: got to go out and sign Tom Brady, you
0: know? <laughs> yeah, that's what you need to do. I mean, they, they just – all the pitching that's no longer there and still having Shane Bieber uh, win the Cy Young has been was incredible, but, you know, didn't really do anything with it. Uh, I guess that's the other question I want to ask you. I think you. you mean the Cleveland baseball team, by the yeah, way. Yeah, okay. <laughs> we're not going to get – gonna... I'm saving my thoughts on that for a rainy days. I'm
1: saving my. There's going to be a time where the where the Braves are no longer Chiefs, PC
0: too. So I mean, Chiefs, I, I, my days are numbered. Florida State. I mean, God. well, they have
1: the Seminole Nation behind them, but they who do, they're the
0: last ones for sure. Florida State is 100 percent the last, you know, one that will yeah. they will be around the longest. Um, where do you think Trevor Bauer is going to go? Because that was the other big news here, where that psycho is going. Yeah, sign. that's a
1: bit, That's a big, big chip to fall. I think. Uh, if he goes somewhere in the NL East, I'm going to be pretty upset about it if it's not the Braves. And I really hope it's not. I hope he stays in the AL, to be honest with you. I think he's I hope he stays over there. I don't want him to come. I don't I don't even want him on the Reds. I don't want him anywhere near the Braves. I don't want to have to see him unless it's in the World Series. So you're saying that just go
0: somewhere safe. And, and it sounds to me like that's basically where everyone's like, just go to Anaheim. <laughs> <laughs> it's like honestly you know, go right? to
1: Anaheim I mean I, I'd, I'd pay to go down there <clears throat> drive down and go watch a couple games to see him pitch go to Anaheim
0: they got you know they're not going to win
1: anything but
0: if that's the thing that you infuri- go- you know, I, I was thinking about this with the Lindor trade the Los Angeles the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim might be the franchise that infuriates me the most even more than the Yankees Dodgers <laughs> and Red Sox because they <laughs> show out all this money and they don't win it's like you got <laughs> yeah <laughs> just give us some of it
1: yeah, they're spending so much money to stay mediocre. Just, it's unbelievable.
0: Well, depending on what Bauer does and what the deal looks like, and you know, I, it's a big chip to fall. But um, I, I just, I, I'm always hesitant with these big, big contracts. I know pitchers is the safest way to go, so to speak. But you better have some yeah. success early, because pitcher or not, that is going to be hefty at the end. Oh, big time!
1: Huge, huge. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see where he goes. I mean, I heard some people talking about the white Sox, Anaheim Mets. Where did Springer sign today? I think he signed with
0: the blue Jays no longer in Toronto because they can't get a waiver to play. Yeah. the Buffalo blue Jays, the Buffalo blue Jays, (laughs) man, Bill's mafia again. (laughs) It's crazy. Just coming through with all the signings. Yeah. So there's still some chips out there. Lots still to be discussed. Um, Ian, before I let you go here on the money match effect, always a blast. I just also want to say, you know, we've worked together for a few years, and I can honestly say now you're a better teammate than James Harden. <laughs> That's such I a compliment, eat isn't much it? Harden, <laughs> I did a rant last week. A better week. defender, too. Yeah, definitely. I've seen you play pickup basketball, and you move your feet more. <laughs> um, I, yeah. I did a rant last week, and, you know, the NBA structure, how it's going, whatever, like, everyone can have their opinion on that. I just hate bad teammates. And that infuriated me. Like Harden went to, I'll never, I'll never support this guy again stage, just on the fact that he sold out his teammates like that. Um, Yeah. So that's where I'm at. We just
1: weren't good enough. I'm out. We just weren't good enough. I I wasn't trying to offend anybody. Oh,
0: it doesn't matter what you were trying to do. It's what you said. He is very fortunate that he doesn't play football, hockey, even baseball. Because you go into that locker room, yep. man, that door's shutting. Nobody's getting in. Some stuff's being sorted out. But here's the thing, Mitch.
1: Here's the thing. If he if he produces in Brooklyn, it doesn't matter. I know. that's If that's he goes what's, out there and dropping 35 yeah. a night, it doesn't matter.
0: That's what's depressing, huh? Is that you can like have Kyrie's back. I mean, they lost tonight, though, as we record winning, this. Winning I, think I think they lost to Cleveland tonight. Yeah. Um, but they did. I just, you know, and that's the thing is, like, you, you behave like that, you you handle your business that way, and you go exactly where you want. Like, you still have the leverage to just end up in a good situation, so it's almost mm-hmm. like you're rewarded for that stuff. Um, I just
1: hate when it becomes this media
0: battle of, like, players going straight to the media
1: mm-hmm. instead of talking to people. And, you know, sometimes you have to do that because the organization's not listening, but that just seems like there's better ways to handle that <laughs> yeah. than calling out your every single yeah. teammate you work with.
0: That last press conference was like it. These guys are losers. They suck. Some by birth, some by choice. Yeah. bunch of failures. All right, man. These have guys a good are one. bums. I'm leaving. <laughs> I, I did is. my best. See you guys. Love have the city, one. though. Love the city. Love the love the barbecue. Obviously, great
1: city. Horrible players. Yeah. This is yeah,
0: yeah. So, um, is what it is. But hey, Ian, pleasure. Uh, hopefully, this is the last remote one we do.
1: Yeah. Hey, cheers to Cheers to that
0: and uh yeah we'll have to do this again you know past quite possibly in the uh in the new tennis channel studio which i don't know if you've seen but the podcast set up there is looking pretty crisp Ooh. spicy zesty spicy and zesty ian dunn the panda thanks for coming on the money mitch in fact we will talk again soon thanks for having me All right, huge thanks again to Ian Dunn. Always a pleasure. A lot of big tennis coming up as well. So we're going to have to see how everybody comes out of the quarantine in Australia. And uh, we'll see how his bucks do. Super Bowl is going to be exciting one way or or the other. But Conference Championship, we can't beat that on Sunday. Some great games there. And speaking of which, we're going to dive into the X's and O breakdown of the football weekend. That was the divisional round. Look forward to the Conference Championship weekend. It's Adam Musto. Former co-worker at NFL Network, he still does some great things for them as well. We're breaking down football. Adam Musto now on the Money Mitch Effect. All right, time to recap a crazy weekend of football. The NFL's down to four teams. Adam Musto's on the show. Uh, Unfortunately, my Browns are not one of them, but uh, Adam, uh, it's good to talk to you. We've reached the final four. It's been exciting. It's been dramatic. A lot of twists and turns. The NFL has uh, absolutely got what they want in terms of excitement and some quality matchups left, but thanks for joining the show.
2: Yeah. Thanks for having me. Um, you know, divisional round is always a, a great weekend when the teams really separate themselves and, you know, we have new blood, old blood, a lot of different things coming together. So, um, you know, it'll be an interesting matchup to see or matchups. You know, leading up to to who ends up being in the Super Bowl.
0: Yeah, we'll get right to uh, the Browns Chiefs game. But just looking at the final four, too, it's it's interesting too because you basically have the four best teams. And I thought about this with sports during the COVID era. That uh, you know, I know the Rams. and the Bucks were a five seed, but potential-wise, they kind of underachieved, and not too many people were shocked that you know they beat the Saints. But in this COVID era, a lot of the cream of you know a lot of the cream has been rising to the top. It's been a lot of the better regular season teams that have been winning championships and contending for them. So I'm not exactly surprised that that's the case in the NFL. Yeah, yeah. I
2: mean, I think that I guess there's probably a lot of different factors of just well, you know, with COVID specifically, I'm sure there's teams that have certain protocols in place or just having like a, a, a specific mindset. You know, obviously the Patriots aren't here, but I could see, you know, when you have coaching and, and infrastructure is kind of in place that you kind of are able to factor out all the noise going on outside the building. You know, obviously there's big issues, you know, with, with, with the pandemic clearly, but to be able to at least, you know, during football season, kind of filter that out and focus on winning. You know, staying healthy and kind of sticking to the plan. I think that's kind of what you're seeing now.
0: Well, starting with my team, the Browns won their first playoff game in about 25 plus years uh, against the Steelers a week ago. They do lose to the Chiefs, 22 to 17, in an interesting game for a lot of reasons. The Chiefs looked like they were going to run away with it. Mahomes came out firing. They were scoring early. Uh, But just three points in the second half, in large part due to Patrick Mahomes' injury. Wasn't sure if it's a concussion. Still kind of figuring out what his status is for this week. Chad Henney comes in the game. The Chiefs' offense grinds to a halt almost. The Browns start to make their move. They can sense they're in this one. Chiefs get the stop they need on defense, and then Chad Henney on the play of the game runs for almost a a first down on third and 14. And then Andy Reid decides to go for it. Doesn't take that timeout. And actually calls the play a pass play out of the shotgun to Tyreek Hill. Chiefs made the play. It hurts as a Browns fan, Adam. I'll start there. It wasn't shocking that they lost. And going into this game, I had I had you know not the best expectations in terms of being the defending champs and being happy that we you know finally won a playoff game. But it was a winnable game, and I think that's what you're going to hear from Browns players, Browns fans, coaches alike. That regardless of what the circumstances going into the game it was very winnable late, winnable in the fourth quarter, but to the chief's credit, they made the plays when they needed to. Yeah, I think
2: it it is, you know, definitely heartbreaking clearly as a Browns fan. I think that, you know, there's going to be, there's always ways to dissect when you have 2020 vision going after the fact um, after a super bowl, after a team wins a super bowl, you know, it's funny. Some teams, you know, take the Steelers, for example, this year starting 11-0, and even though obviously they weren't winning in, you know, weren't just clearly dominating. But I feel like there's some teams that just have those dominant seasons and they kind of run their way all, all the way to the Super Bowl. The Colts, even though they only ended up winning the one Super Bowl with Peyton Manning, I feel like it was always, you know, constant years ago and starting 12-0, and 13-0. Whereas, you know, teams like this year's Browns team, they kind of fall into maybe those, you know, can you make a run it doesn't feel like this is going to be our run to make a super bowl going back to maybe like the 1981 49ers which kind of came out of nowhere and you know had the catch and and won their first super bowl and route to bigger things so you know i think they set themselves up a very strong base going forward. Obviously, nothing's guaranteed. You know, unfortunately, we have seen situations like this where you think it's a really young team, but bad luck happens. Mm-hmm. Or you know, even take a look at you know the 49ers of last year. So there's a lot of different ways to go. Certainly, probably frustrating just to lose when you you know you were that close and you just were like, can we just get one more drive? Yeah. I think especially now, you know, when it's like All right, two minutes, just give us a shot at the two-minute warning, and we'll see what we can do, and I'm sure at that point, you're like, I'll take it 50-50, but, you know, obviously, the the last two plays by the Chiefs, just a a really tough way to lose it when when you really sensed it.
0: You saw a lot in that game, too. The Browns offense that came alive late against the Chiefs defense, that really, you know, hasn't been, obviously not their strength all year, and and has issues, but the Browns offense, they're not really built, especially without Odell Beckham, to strike quickly. You know, the touchdown to make it a five-point game, it was a methodical drive that you know took up a lot of time. I know there was still plenty of time on the clock to make a move, but you saw that they kind of need to move at that methodical pace. Uh the drive—the last time they had the ball, Adam was uh, an interesting one because you had already blown a challenge, uh, t- lost a timeout on a challenge that looked to be ill-advised. You take a timeout early on that drive, and on third and eleven, you really don't treat it like four down territory. I know that it was a dump off on a on, on the pressure, but you know they didn't. And I know I'm nitpicking because I love Stefanski; he's the best coach I've seen on my team in decades. But you know that was. That was questionable, and on the other side, Andy Reid did exactly what you do in that situation. Why even chance it? Why? Why even with all those skill guys, even with even with uh, Henny at quarterback, don't even take the risk of giving it back to the defense. Yeah, I think
2: you know. I think the game has changed so much over the last few years that you know offense. It's just really hard to get a stop. It. I mean, maybe years ago with four minutes left, you wouldn't think twice about punting. Um, and obviously, it's a totally different ballgame when you have Mahomes uh, versus Chad Henny. You know, I feel like. When I start, first started watching football, you know, you, would even, you wouldn't even have an onset kick. If, you know, you need a touchdown with like 2.30 left, you'd figure we have the two-minute warning, we have a couple timeouts. There's a lot of different ways to play it. I know, obviously, you know, and somewhat ironically, I know Andy Reid in the past has been kind of criticized for certain um, play call management. And I know – I feel like they've been on the other end when they had Alex Smith in some playoff games with the Patriots. I remember one that was – it was a similar pass. It was deflected, I think, off of Edelman to Gronk or Gronk off of Edelman, and that ended up closing out that game. So, yeah, it's – I think maybe you just have to kind of play to your strengths and, and, you know, have a little luck as well.
0: Well – a lot of people are also going to bring up the uh, play at the end of the half, which was uh, a very unfortunate break for the Browns. Higgins fumbles the ball out of the end zone. I don't really want to rehash the rule. A lot of people obviously aren't in favor of it. It just came back to bite the Browns in this one. That argument can be a little weird because, you know, if it affects you, you're going to be the one passionate. Like if you benefit from it, I don't. you don't normally hear those people arguing. But, the bigger thing was, you know, they don't review targeting. You know, they don't review lowering the crown of your helmet, which it clearly was. I, I actually was oddly okay. You know, it sucks, obviously, as a Browns fan, but that's hard to know in the moment exactly when it's happening, and that is the difference between college and the NFL. In college, they review it, and the player's out, out of the game.
2: Yeah, and didn't that happen? I think the Clemson linebacker was yeah. uh, ejected from
0: mm-hmm. uh, the, the playoff Alabama team. had a guy yeah. kicked out as well in the actual title game, too, so... Uh, but he'll have a couple mm-hmm. more title games to play in. Uh, but, but either, yeah. either way, um, no, the Chiefs just made the plays when they need to. It got tense. Uh, Hope Mahomes is okay. That's going to be an interesting storyline to follow. But just last thing on the Browns, I, I'm, I am, I'm happy for what they accomplished. And uh, the future for the first time looks bright. They're going to have to ad- address their defense uh, for sure. And uh, hopefully, you know, secondary linebacker to be specific.
2: Yeah, but I, yeah, and I think fortunately they're you know they're building something now, and I, you definitely I think first saw when Baker Mayfield had his first spark, and maybe and you know even signing guys like Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham, where you know it will become a destination, a place you want to go to, a good coach in place, a young team, even though there's obviously a lot of young quarterbacks in the AFC specifically, um, but I think they're definitely setting themselves up on a pretty
0: good foundation. So the Chiefs move on to the AFC title game where they'll take on the Buffalo Bills. That was the Saturday night game, Bills, Ravens, with the Bills winning that one. Adam, uh, I mean, obviously, this was probably the weirdest game we saw in terms of what anybody expected, regardless of who was going to win. I don't think we really expected that type of game.
2: Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it was just the wind or, you know, obviously the Bills' defense had something to do with it, but, you know, and just not enough consistency from Lamar Jackson in the playoffs. I don't know, maybe it's something, you know, going back to the 90s with the Buffalo Stadium of just kind of the magic that's there. You know, I I think that Josh Allen played well enough and, you know, made some plays not as spectacular as, you know, the the week before. But I don't know if the Ravens were just kind of exhausted from a longer season, you know, being on the road again. But uh, I I think that in the playoffs – Especially with the weather now, you know, you're going to have to find new ways or different ways to win football games. Obviously, it's great if you can just kind of continue to do the best that, you know, led you there. But um, I feel like there are times where there's kind of going to be games like this where you have an idea going in and you get, you know, 180 degrees
0: from what you're expecting. Well, Tucker missing two kicks. I mean, that's literally never happened before. So that's where we have to kind of, you know, take with a grain of salt. It was a windy night in Buffalo. I mean, Adam, the Ravens and Lamar Jackson winning the playoff game, getting that monkey off of his back last week against the Titans. But five drives inside the 30, they came away with exactly three points. And if you want to be specific, they gave up seven on that pick six, uh, which ultimately, you know, effectively decided that game that and Lamar getting his concussion. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I mean, I feel like the Bills, you know, the Bills defense all year has been great in the red zone, as great as almost as their offense has been in the red zone. But to me, that's the critique of the Ravens, right? Like when they get down to the red zone, when they get close, they haven't been able to put, you know, touchdown drives together. The offense did not click as well as it did last year. I think everyone can see that. And I wonder if it's just figuring out how to convert, you know, how to when the defense, you know, if I'm, you know, what I'm saying like when the defense plays a little tighter and the windows are smaller in the red zone, if that's the final level that Lamar Jackson needs to conquer to be that Super Bowl contending team, because it was clear the red zone they failed and they lose the game as a result.
2: Yeah, and you know, I think some teams just do it well, and some teams don't do it well. Uh, like the Packers are one. Obviously, you know, we have the play. With Devonte Adams going in motion, but it, it it seems like they there's some teams where they just make it look so easy, and you know they're going to score when they're at the goal line. And then not to go back to the Bears continuously, but just a year of watching them, it just it seems like once they get down inside the twenty, they make things look so difficult. You know where other teams are, I don't know if it's just they're able to run the crossing routes, a quote you know an unofficial pick play, um, or just having you know a solid running back to to barge in it seems like there's just this huge disparity of some teams that just make it look so easy where it's like okay i'm going to roll out and hit a guy wide open and then other teams other teams like all right we're going to have to jam it in like try four pass plays and they're all going to look really ugly and they're in a, and it's going to be like a 50/50 shot if it ends up working
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, the Ravens clearly have a lot of talent, and Harbaugh is a great coach. And and honestly, the defense made a lot of strides from where they were, you know, just as recently as that Browns Monday night game. You know, they got healthy. They they've played a lot better, shut down Derrick Henry. Offensively, though, you do have to question if they're built for the playoffs and what moves they can make. I'm intrigued with the Bills, Adam, because I thought that they could eventually get here and, and still have a great chance, obviously, to win the whole thing. But they're not playing their best football. Offensively, it's it's a little disjointed. But to their credit, they're making the plays when they need to. And they're actually showing the intangible stuff more than anything.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, they only ran for 32 yards on 16 carries. So, you know, about two yards a pop. You know, there's room to grow. I, I think that Josh Allen just has mobility and kind of his playmaking ability and, you know, they, I think they have a solid group of wide receivers and, and, and tight ends that kind of, you know, piece it all together. Obviously, Steph Hunt is arguably one of the best, or not arguably, but one of the best receivers in the NFL, clearly. Um, so, yeah, I think sometimes it's just, you know, you're not going to get your best performance all the time. I would say, you know, maybe they're one of the teams that they're obviously built to play outdoors, um, even though, you know, they don't have the home field this week. But they're putting it together also. Young coach, young quarterback have a few few pieces to to go through, I mean, I don't know if there's been well, this feels like this is their team. I kind of think of like you know the twenty sixteen cubs where it's like we're gonna win this the championship this year. maybe it's easy to do that in retrospect or like the eighty five bears or something, but mm-hmm. um but I think obviously for Bill's fans, it's clearly exciting to be to be back and have a bright future
0: again. Well, big AFC title game on the way. Adam Musto here on the Money Mitch Effect. Uh, looking at the NFC, the first game of the weekend was Packers Rams. Uh, oddly enough, not in the interest of uh, having you having you have to uh, relive some of the m- memories of your fa- most tormented franchise, but I think this is the game that you have the least to really you know have to say about it. The Packers offense looks amazing. Rogers is playing at an insanely high level. And the Rams, for as much as they fought, for as well as they're coached, they were undermanned. They weren't healthy. Golf played pretty solid, but with Aaron Donald not at full strength, with the defense not firing in all cylinders, cylinders, how could they realistically, Adam, have a chance against what the Packers are doing at in Green Bay?
2: Right, and it was one of those matchups, you know, where you have the top top offense versus the top defense, and but it's it just maybe years ago the defense would have the advantage, going back to like the 80s, but. You know, it just – Rodgers makes it so easy, and I don't know how it is that every game he's able to find someone 50 yards down the field wide open for a touchdown. seems like half the time one of their slot wide receivers is going to drop a pass, drop a wide open touchdown or something. With the exception of Devontae Adams, I just feel like they have all these kind of rotating wide receivers through the years that you kind of, you know, have, have are able to make plays and then you kind of forget about them. But, yeah, he's just – you know, he it's the deep ball. It's just everything looks so easy. Once again, going back to the red zone, you – it maybe similar to maybe your mentality for the Browns going into the Chiefs game, where you just know that like the, the defense has to step up, but also you you know that in order for us to win this the game, we're gonna have to, to score step thirty. Up. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I, and, and and time of possession too, because the Rams were hanging in there. Golf's drive to make it a one-score game at the end of the half was a big one. Um, I thought, I mean, some of the throws Rodgers made. I mean, he used his legs, the pump fake touchdown, who got your your boy Floyd up in the air. Uh, which was, I know, a terrible flashback there, but he he makes throws that only he can make, and it, it, there is something to be said about the fact that Jones gives him an element. Aaron Jones is a running back that he doesn't normally have. Uh, defensively, that was the fair criticism to me, Adam, that they you know they drafted Jordan Love. I thought they I think they're fine at receivers. Roger, I mean Devontae Adams is great. and Rodgers makes it work, but defensively. I think you could have made a fair argument that they could have addressed that defense with a first-round pick. Now, having said that, the defense is solid enough where to where I would say it's not really like a terrible weakness, and it's better than a lot of the Aaron Rodgers defenses that he's had. So that just being average for a defense with a guy they have at quarterback and that offense is a very good sign.
2: Yeah, because you know, I think – I don't know if it was the Chiefs that had a crazy record of like consecutive games going back – I think multiple years, you know, where they score at least twenty or thirty points, and I feel like the Packers are basically like that. I mean, they've had some odd hiccups from time to time, you know, losing the Vikings this year, and, and I, I think historically that that is kind of the main difference maker. You know, going back to like you know John Elway winning a Super Bowl, it, it helped having Terrell Davis on a running game that he didn't always have, and, and you know Dan Marino played on some historically bad defensive teams for the uh, the Dolphins, so so that obviously helps. But I feel like with him, it's also, you know, the Rams played well in the first half, but just to always have that mentality of like having to have your foot on the pedal the entire game, I feel like, you know, one stop, it's like, you know, one three and out or one punch or one turnover and then, you know, all of a sudden, if you're down by two scores, it's like, well, yeah. there's you know, no way we can come up back from this.
0: <laughs> well, it's hard to believe it's the first time it's been, you know, in all the NFC championship games he's played, it's going to be in Lambeau. Uh, it's going to be against the, a guy who's played now in his 14th championship level game. First in the NFC, though, Tom Brady, as the Bucks beat the Saints. Just saying that number out loud is stupid. Uh, 14 times he's played in this game. But to be fair, not really Brady essentially the reason why they got here. This was a great job by the defense, the fumble on Cook that made the play happen, taking advantage of what may be Breeze in his last game. Tampa Bay getting to this point, not a shock from where we were, you know, in the preseason talk, but they really did have to battle. There was a lot of managing of egos and, you know, figuring out what worked. But here we are with Tampa Bay as the five-seed Adam in the NFC title game.
2: Yeah, it's, you know, obviously there's a lot of different components that make it all work. Some people thought, well, we're going to get, we're going to get Antonio Brown back in there and he's going to, you know, go back to his, you know, 120 catch a season for 600 yards self and obviously having Gronk, but sometimes you just kind of have to grind it out. And, you know, I I did think that, you know, with breeze, unfortunately, just kind of the critiques about his arm strength now. And I was kind of thinking back to like Peyton Manning's last season with the Broncos Mm -hmm. and kind of how you're able, you know, even though they have other pieces, obviously with Camara and, Different pieces around the the that side of the ball, but yeah, I'm sure it's you know a combination of just I, I, maybe it's cliche, but you know his leadership and you know I think their running game can kind of get get it done, which maybe that's one thing too because I feel like there's been times where some of the Patriots teams he's led to the Super Bowl had not necessarily terrible running backs. I think there was like one year where uh, their leading rusher didn't even have 400 yards or 500 yards in the season. So, and, and, you know, there's some games where they're just like, okay, Tom, you're going to pass the ball, you know, 60 times. And and we're not even going to think about running, but basically our run game is just going to be throwing, you know, short passes and stuff. So, um, you know, there's a few different ways to get it done. And one thing for him, you know, the cold weather, he's obviously used to it. I don't know if it'll be a, a little shock. Just not being in, you know, not playing in as cold weather for a while. Now that maybe if you kind of grow a little more accustomed to Tampa Bay, um, but that's another variable.
0: (laughs) Well, I also thought that the Saints, for just going to them for a second, you know, Breeze's critiques that are fair is arm strength. That was probably his last game. Um, but they relied too much on Kamara and Michael Thomas, who is completely banged up. And maybe that was out of necessity for how the roster was built. But that's tough to, you know, rely on, on certain skill guys so much that if one of them is off, one of them is schemed correctly by the defense. It could be tough, um, but again, it was that defense for Tampa that came up big in the second half and made life miserable for the Saints to get here. Because offensively, with with Bruce Arians and Byron Leftwich, there was you know Ronald Jones' status going forward. It was Fournette that stepped up. Tampa has a ton of weapons, you know, uh, a collection of weapons that Brady may have never even played with depth wise in the past. They're going to make it as easy as possible for for Tom to have success. Uh, but I am more so impressed with this Tampa defense hitting their stride, because that's going to be the key to the next round defensively, how they're going to look. Yeah, certainly,
2: you know, obviously against, against Aaron Rodgers. you know, maybe somewhat ironically back when they had Lovie Smith and they were kind of like, well, this is how we're going to build it on defense. But I think they still have, you know, a few pieces left over and, and, historically i guess for them you know it has been about their defense you know maybe just going back to 2002 so i don't know if there's anything in the water down there um but yeah it, it'll be interesting just to see how that strength versus the packers strength and you know how how it goes this season they, they have had you know they've been able to intercept rogers in the past that's something that not a lot of uh players or teams have said that they've been able to do right so
0: so that's something as well i guess yeah, they blew him out in the game that they did play a long time ago. Uh, and then just one note, I mean, Brees retiring, it looks that way, um, is time. I think we can all see. Uh, has the most passing yards. We'll see if he holds to it. Has a lot of records. Um, but just an important figure in football, important in New Orleans, Adam, and somebody that really, you know, proved a stereotype wrong in a lot of ways. He was one of the first undersized quarterbacks of this modern era to really make it. Yeah, I was just
2: I was working on uh, some of his research for a video that uh, we'll be putting out on the NFL Throwback Channel, and and yeah, the the amount of milestones I think there's yeah there's so many things right exactly that you know he wasn't that prototypical six four quarterback which let's see so that would have been he would have been like right after Ryan Leaf and yeah. Peyton Manning and then uh, I don't know if there was one draft before that and then it's just kind of interesting I was trying to think about you know his scenario of. How many Hall of Famer Hall of Fame quarterbacks switch teams, uh, you know, before their prime of their career? And and yeah, I mean, whether it's I mean what he's done with the five thousand yard passing seasons is crazy. And and I'm sure quickly with Tom Brady right on his trail, and even you know the the young guns down the line, we've obviously seen the passing records don't last as long as they used to. But, yeah, and you know with, with you know winning the Super Bowl for the, the Saints franchise that you know hadn't had anything like that, and obviously coming back from Hurricane Katrina and you know helping uh heal a little bit yeah. um, and then just yeah, I mean the deep passes I, I just feel like especially I'm sure if people had them on he was just a solid fantasy quarterback for years and was you know one of those guys who was just a, a prime you know passing when when I think passing really took its form in the NFL.
0: He was certainly and an, is a legend uh, of the game. And, uh, you know, we're going to miss seeing him out there. But, you know, everybody has a, everybody has a time to uh, call it quits. It mm-hmm. looks like it's Drew Brees' time. All right, Money Mitch Effect with Adam Musto. Uh, just quickly, some thoughts on these championship games. I do want to mention the coaching carousel in a sec, too. Uh, but both lines are at about three points right now. Yeah, it's, it's pretty insane that it's about a three-point game for each team. My thought process going into the games, the betting side of it, what have you, is the most confident team I'm on betting would be uh, Green Bay this week, uh, Adam. I just think talent-wise and how they're revved up, I like Green Bay a lot in this game to cover and win. Kansas City-Buffalo, you got to look at whether Mahomes plays, what that status is. I think that one, to me, has the potential to be uh, a toss-up depending on the status of Mahomes, but... I don't know, I just feel like this could be Green Bay's year to at least get back to the Super Bowl.
2: Yeah, I could see, you know, I could see close games, but if you were going to tell me, is there one that could potentially get out of hand? I don't know. I could see Green Bay, even though obviously, you know, Tampa Bay had the success earlier in the season. Just with their offense, just scoring continuously, you know, I think obviously Green Bay has much improved since earlier in the season. And yeah, clearly, you know, Kansas City depends on the quarterback situation. I'm assuming Mahomes will be ready, and that could be a shootout. And I think Buffalo will, you know, be able to answer. But, you know, and maybe the other variables probably are, are the home field of just you know not as many fans as in a you know traditionally. Obviously, we could have a rematch of the first Super Bowl, but you know traditionally Lambeau and, and Arrowhead, two of the of stadiums in, in in the NFL. Buffalo at least is kind of used to the cold. Tampa Bay, some of their players that didn't come from the Patriots, maybe not as much. So I could kind of see those factoring.
0: Yeah. And, yeah, all these matchups are pretty exciting. Like I was thinking about this, all the Super Bowl combinations are pretty fun, which you don't often get to say. Uh, but I'm leaning. And I know it's boring, but I'm leaning chalk. I think Green Bay, Kansas City, is uh, is kind of a little destined to happen. Although Buffalo and Tampa could crash the party. I'm gonna lean and, and lean into Green Bay, Kansas City, a rematch of Super Bowl one, and hopefully the MVP of the, whoever that game is, if it happens, gets a nice sleep, nice night's sleep the night before this time.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even, you know, it's funny when you're talking about the different matchups, um, you know, I saw something online about just the ages of, you know, you had the NFC and it was, you know, the three, three older quarterbacks. And when it was down to going into Sunday, when it was down to uh, the Browns, Bills and, and Chiefs as possibly the the two options. Uh, you know, those are three really young quarterbacks, I think all under 27 or 28 or around 26 or so. So I think that'll definitely be the, the matchup old versus new. Uh, regardless of what it is, you know, and then there's even storylines of hypothetically, like the bills slaying Tom Brady, or, you know, how bad would it seem to lose to Tom Brady again? Or, you know, and obviously I think Mahomes versus Rogers is great MVP front runners. And so there's a lot of different moving parts there.
0: Well, lastly, Adam, this has been fun as always talking football. Um, What's your thoughts been on this coaching uh, cycle, urban Meyer to Jacksonville solid to the jets Staley going uh, Brandon Staley, shout out to uh, you know he was the John Carroll Division three defensive coordinator seven years ago where my brother was a player there. so shout out to to him for doing that an Ohio native as well coming from Perry. but you know there's been some moves as well. Arthur Smith to the Falcons. Uh, it looks like Dan Quimble Dan excuse me Dan Campbell uh, to the Lions. Not that many jobs left. It's been interesting. There's the Eagles and Texans I think are the last two out there. What's your thoughts been on this uh, coaching carousel?
2: Yeah, I just think that for a coach to be successful, almost similar to when we talk about in the draft quarterbacks, high draft picks generally are going to teams that, you know, obviously if they're drafting high, aren't aren't that talented. And I think now for teams to be successful, I mean, we've seen a lot like Matt Matt LaFleur has done with the Packers, not to take anything necessarily away from him, but, you know, without, if he didn't have, you know, Aaron Rodgers, it would be a whole different story. So I think you want to – find a team. If you're a coach, you know, that has a good structure in place, specifically a quarterback that you can build around. Otherwise, you know, it's going to be tough. I think, especially now, um, where you really only have, you know, a couple seasons to prove yourself. I mean, that's kind of what we've seen with the Eagles. If you had told me, you know, 10 years ago that the Eagles would win a Super Bowl and then fire their coach within a couple of years, or, or even, you know, Matt Nagy is an example where now, you know, statistically he's never had a losing season, but he's on the hot seat. So I think, the expectations are just so high now, and I think with the finite amount of Super Bowl potential winning quarterbacks, I was just thinking now because I, I feel like it's also going to be harder to win a Super Bowl with a guy like Trent, Trent Dill for,
0: you know, yeah. Even because with you're an not, yeah, you can't just rely on a defense even as great as that one was to just. You're not going to win right. low scoring games. I think is what you're saying, right? Like you got to find a way to score points in this league. Exactly. Yeah. I, yeah. I and agree.
2: you could also. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I guess you could also talk about like the rookie pay structure of like you know rookie quarterbacks, something like Russell Wilson, where not only that, but maybe you know you have like four years to build a team around him before you have to yeah. pay him a bunch of money. So I don't know if there's coaches that are like, well, maybe I'll take a year off, or like you know maybe I'll wait for the right position rather than go in too early. And we've seen you know a bunch of different things. Obviously Bill Belichick doing it with the Browns and not being as successful, and then obviously being you know doing what he's doing with the Patriots, but then other retreads kind of making you know getting multiple chances and just being very very average so that's kind of my thought i I feel like for a coach to be successful you just really have to you know hope that things you know be in a situation like that
0: i think you see worse examples of retreads at like the coordinator position personally did that that's kind of where it's kind of been that way um just a couple things one being i get the fashion the uh infatuation play calling, you know, Arthur Smith did a great job with the Titans, you know, and we have a lot of great play callers, young ones, the Browns had Stefanski that are, you know, doing a good job at head coach. You can go the other way with defense with Staley and with Sala, but they have to obviously get the offensive side, right, give them autonomy and find the right person to, to call plays. Um, urban meyer coming to the nfl i mean it really would take a situation like that right where you have a team that's completely from the ground up you're going to get trevor Lawrence, you know one of the maybe the most surefire draft pick we've seen since andrew luck so you can start out there you also don't have to worry about it being like a Rodgers or mahomes division right because that makes a difference too
2: certainly yeah good point definitely
0: I think the biggest thing, too, is um, there's a lot of pressure on you from the beginning. So maybe going to a bad job, this is my spin zone, maybe going to a job like Jacksonville or whoever takes this Houston situation, which is a train wreck, that might be a good thing because you can start slower. Because you have one hot year, you know, look, Nagy, your boy, sorry to bring that up again, but has one year. And suddenly that, that happens, the kicker blows it, you know, you, you lose that playoff game. Now everybody thinks it's time to just consistently, you know, maybe win divisions and, and go to the Super Bowl. So that can kind of ruin the, the path as well.
2: Yeah, no, that's certainly a great point. You know, I, I think there's sometimes times where, you know, a coach will get fired like Lovey Smith after a 10-6 and six season. So obviously you have higher expectations um, versus, yeah, if you're taking over, especially – and obviously I, I feel like the, the size of the market, you know, going to New York – or sometimes you know the bigger market teams play in primetime more. or there's other teams that kind of maybe can kind of go down the radar. I know that was one discussion. Um, even though they are kind of moving markets, I guess, but the Raiders. I feel like you know John Gruden has a longer leash. Obviously, he has his contract. But I feel like when you're really comparing apples to apples, there wasn't as
0: much you know critiques on on the job he's done versus someone like Doug Peterson. Well. I would say this for the last two spots for the uh, Eagles and the Texans. I would say the enemy looks like he's going to get one of the jobs. I don't know about Kellen Moore. I don't think he's quite ready yet. He hasn't really shown me much there. I still like Dayball in Buffalo. He would be a good one too. Um, I was going to say McDaniels, but it seems like he has a uh, you know under-the-table agreement to take over the Patriots because otherwise, why hasn't he left yet? But those are the ones that stand right. out to me. I don't know if you have anybody else on your radar. Yeah, I think those, you know, all kind of make sense. And, you know,
2: there's so many different paths, you know, to be a a coach. And also, you know, it's funny, someone like Adam Gase, people were in love with him when he was, you know, when he worked with the Broncos and the Bears. And I'm sure Peyton Manning had a big deal. Peyton Manning, you know, I'm sure has sent a lot of, um, gotten a lot of promotions for a lot of his assistant coaches and general managers just kind of from all the winning that he's done. But, you know, things can change quickly. So I feel like sometimes it is, you know, it was almost inevitable it's like whoever wins the super bowl that team's offensive or defensive coordinator you know whatever unit was better is going to be a head coach and i don't know i would love to know more about the specific process of you know what you're looking for and and how do you, how does that you know just having success as a coordinator translate to you know building a program and obviously then it's you know do you want to be a gm and a coach or like you're talking about play caller or not and so you know you really have to put a lot of good people around you too
0: We'll see how it shakes out. Adam Musto, thanks for coming on. Uh, oh, last thing. This is his last year, so I'm pretty passionate about this. Are we going to finally get Clay Matthews into the Hall of Fame? Uh,
2: I think we certainly should, yeah. yeah. I <laughs> think, well, you, the the brown the Browns' Clay Matthews. Yeah, yeah, I'm for sure. sure. Clay, Clay
0: Jr., not the third. <laughs> we'll see about yeah. that. But uh, uh, I'm passionate about that. I think he's been overlooked for far too long, Uh you can look at the numbers for some current Hall of Famers as well. But I know you look into that, too. It's a loaded class, but it would be nice to see him get his call this time.
2: Yeah, he had how many? A ton of Pro Bowls. Was it over, was it like 13? Yeah. I, I know
0: I, I know Bruce Matthews had a ton as well. So, All right, Adam Musto. I, need to,
2: need to go, I was going to say, I need to go watch some more of his highlights. <laughs> Everybody
0: to a, does. Good, uh, yeah. Everybody yeah. does. Uh, Adam Musto, thanks for coming on. Hope everything's well. Stay safe. And uh, thanks for coming on the Money Mitch Effect. Awesome. Have fun, uh, great weekend, more football, and uh, and we'll
2: see who, uh, you know, wins up close to the Super Bowl. Thanks for having me.
0: Big thanks again to both Ian Dunn and Adam Musso for coming on this week's show, breaking down a lot of sports topics. And a reminder that you can catch this episode and every single episode of the podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play. Leave a rating, a review, subscribe, Check out the Money Mitch Effect Facebook page and follow me on Twitter at MoneyMitchM21. Lots more sports to talk about next week. We'll be recapping the conference championship week. Breaking down a little hockey as well. Didn't do that this week, but uh, some interesting developments in the NHL. And we're gearing up in tennis for the Australian Open, the delayed Australian Open that is still you know, relatively soon on the radar. So a lot to discuss and dive into there. Thanks again to the boys, Ian Dunn, Adam Musto. Thanks to everybody out there for listening. I'm Mitch Michaels. This was the Money Mitch Effect. Hope you keep enjoying sports and stay safe. And I'll see you next time.